Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Seemed wonderfully fresh, but of water there was no sign. There was not even the sandy channel of a stream to dig in. In the morning I had a difficult problem to face. Water I must find at all costs, or I must go home. There was time enough for me to get back without suffering much, but if so I must give up my explorations. This I was determined not to do. The more I looked at these red cliffs, the more eager I was to find out their secret. There must be water somewhere. Otherwise, how account for the lushness of the vegetation? My horse was a veldt pony, so I set him loose to see what he would do. He strayed back on the path to Umphalos. This looked bad, for it meant that he did not smell water along the cliff front. If I was to find a stream, it must be on the top, and I must try a little mountaineering. Then, taking my courage in both my hands, I decided... I gave my pony a cut and set him off on the homeward road. I knew he was safe to get back in four or five hours, and in broad day there was little fear of wild beasts attacking him. I had tied my sleeping bag on to the saddle, and had with me but two pocketfuls of food. I had also fastened on the saddle a letter to my Dutch foreman, bidding him send a native with a spare horse to fetch me by the evening. Then I started off to look for a chimney. A boyhood spent on the cliffs at Kirk Capel had made me a bold cragsman, and the porphyry of the Rurarand clearly gave excellent holds. But I walked many weary miles along the cliff foot before I found a feasible road. To begin with, it was no light task to fight one's way through the dense undergrowth to the lower slopes. Every kind of thorn bush lay in wait for my skin. Creepers tripped me up. High trees shut out the light and I was in mortal fear lest a black mamba might appear out of the tangle. It grew very hot, and the screes above the thicket were blistering to the touch. My tongue, too, stuck to the roof of my mouth with thirst. The first chimney I tried ran out on the face into nothingness, and I had to make a dangerous descent. The second was a deep gully, but so choked with rubble that after nearly braining myself I desisted. Still going eastwards, I found a sloping ledge which took me to a platform, from which ran a crack with a little tree growing in it. My glass showed me that beyond this tree, the crack broadened into a clearly defined chimney, which led to the top. If I can once reach that tree, I thought, the battle is won. The crack was only a few inches wide, large enough to let in an arm and a foot, and it ran slantwise up a perpendicular rock. 
I do not think I realized how bad it was till I had gone too far to return. Then my foot jammed, and I paused for breath with my legs and arms cramping rapidly. I remember that I looked to the west and saw through the sweat which kept dropping into my eyes that about half a mile off a piece of cliff which looked unbroken from the foot had a fold in it to the right. The darkness of the fold showed me that it was a deep, narrow gully. However, I had no time to think of this, for I was fast in the middle of my confounded crack. With immense labor, I found a chalk stone above my head and managed to force my foot free. The next few yards were not so difficult, and then I stuck once more. For the crack suddenly grew shallow as the cliff bulged out above me. I had almost given up hope when I saw that about three feet above my head grew the tree. If I could reach it and swing out, I might hope to pull myself up to the ledge on which it grew. I confess it needed all my courage, for I did not know but that the tree might be loose, and that it and I might go rattling down four hundred feet. It was my only hope, however, so I set my teeth, and wriggling up a few inches, made a grab at it. Thank God it held, and with a great effort I pulled my shoulder over the ledge and breathed freely. My difficulties were not ended, but the worst was past. The rest of the gully gave me good and safe climbing, and presently a very limp and weary figure lay on the cliff-top. It took me many minutes to get back my breath and to conquer the faintness which seized me as soon as the need for exertion was over. When I scrambled to my feet and looked round, I saw a wonderful prospect. It was a plateau like the high veld, only covered with bracken and little bushes like hazels. Three or four miles off the ground rose and a shallow vale opened, but in the foreground, half a mile or so distant, a lake lay gleaming in the sun. I could scarcely believe my eyes as I ran towards it, and doubts of a mirage haunted me. But it was no mirage, but a real lake, perhaps three miles in circumference, with bracken-fringed banks, a shore of white pebbles, and clear deep blue water. I drank my fill, and then stripped and swam in the blessed coolness. After that I ate some luncheon and sunned myself on a flat rock. I have discovered the source of the Lobongo, I said to myself. I will write to the Royal Geographical Society, and they will give me a medal. I walked round the lake to look for an outlet. A fine mountain stream came in at the north end, and at the south end, sure enough, a considerable river debouched. My exploring zeal redoubled, and I followed its course in a delirium of expectation. It was a noble stream, clear as crystal, and very unlike the muddy tropical Labongo at Umvelos. Suddenly, about a quarter of a mile from the lake, the land seemed to grow over it, and with a swirl and a hollow roar, it disappeared into a pothole. I walked a few steps on, and from below my feet came the most uncanny rumbling and groaning. Then I knew what old Katzia's devil was that howled in the Rurand. Had I continued my walk to the edge of the cliff, I might have learned a secret which would have stood me in good stead later. But the descent began to make me anxious, and I retraced my steps to the top of the chimney whence I had come. I was resolved that nothing would make me descend by that awesome crack, so I kept on eastward along the top to look for a better way. I found one about a mile farther on, 
which, though far from easy, had no special risks save from the appalling looseness of the debris. When I got down at length, I found that it was near sunset. I went to the place where I had bidden my native look for me, but as I had feared there was no sign of him, so making the best of a bad job, I had supper and a pipe, and spent a very chilly night in a hole among the boulders. I got up at dawn, stiff and cold, and ate a few raisins for breakfast. There was no sign of horses, so I resolved to fill up the time in looking for the fold of the cliff, which as I had seen from the horrible crack of yesterday, contained a gully. It was a difficult job, for to get the sidelong view of the cliff I had to scramble through the undergrowth of the slopes again, and even a certain way up the crances. At length I got my bearings, and fixed the place by some tall trees in the bush. Then I descended and walked westwards. Suddenly, as I neared the place, I heard the strangest sound coming from the rocks. It was a deep, muffled groaning, so eerie and unearthly, that for a moment I stood and shivered. Then I remembered my river of yesterday. It must be above this place that it descended into the earth, and in the hush of dawn the sound was naturally louder. No wonder old Katsia had been afraid of devils. It reminded me of the lines in Marmion, diving as if condemned to lave some demon's subterranean cave who prisoned by enchanter's spell shakes the dark rock with groan and yell while i was standing awestruck by the sound i observed a figure moving towards the cliffs i was well in cover so i could not have been noticed it was a very old man very tall but bowed in the shoulders who was walking slowly with bent head he could not have been thirty yards from me, so I had a clear view of his face. He was a native, but of a type I had never seen before. A long white beard fell on his breast, and a magnificent caross of leopard skin covered his shoulders. His face was seamed and lined and shrunken, so that he seemed as old as time itself. Very carefully I crept after him, and found myself opposite the fold where the gully was. There was a clear path through the jungle, a path worn smooth by many feet. I followed it through the undergrowth and over the screes till it turned inside the fold of the gully, and then it stopped short. I was in a deep cleft, but in front was a slab of sheer rock. Above the gully looked darker and deeper, but there was this great slab to pass. I examined the sides, but they were sheer rock with no openings. Had I had my wits about me, I would have gone back and followed the spore, noting where it stopped. But the whole thing looked black magic to me. My stomach was empty, and my enterprise small. Besides, there was the terrible moaning of the imprisoned river in my ears. I am ashamed to confess it, but I ran from that gully as if the devil and all his angels had been following me. Indeed, I did not slacken till I had put a good mile between me and those uncanny cliffs. After that, I set out to foot it back. If the horses would not come to me, I must go to them. I walked twenty-five miles in a vile temper, enraged at my Dutchmen, my natives, and everybody. The truth is, I had been frightened, and my pride was sore about it. It grew very hot, the sand rose and choked me. The Mopani trees, with their dull green, wearied me. The Kaffir queens and jays and rollers, which flew about the path, 
seemed to be there to mock me about halfway home i found a boy and two horses and roundly i cursed him it seemed that my pony had returned right enough and the boy had been sent to fetch me he had got halfway before sunset the night before and there he had stayed i discovered from him that he was scared to death and did not dare to go any nearer the rurarand it was accursed he said for it was an abode of devils and only wizards went near it i was bound to admit to myself that i could not blame him at last i had got on the track of something certain about this mysterious country and all the way back i wondered if i should have the courage to follow it up End of chapter four